Yo, it's happening, guys. Man, weird and wild times we're in. I thought I'd sit down and record a solo podcast, some extra entertainment. And uh, part of this podcast is talking about my own journey and, and current events. And so, yeah, just talk about the current times we're in and mindset and keeping happy and, um, you know, controlling the things we can control. And uh, so we'll get right into it. I just want to thank our sponsors real quick. Uh, I want to thank Sig Sauer Optics. Sig Sauer is just building top-end optics. Uh, I'm, I'm so impressed by them. They compete with the top brands in the industry. Uh, they're just so dialed at their, their crispness, color fidelity, sharpness of those optics. Um, I've been using that new spotting scope, that new angled 80 millimeter objective lens, 27 by 55 power. Man, that thing is so clean and crisp. I can just judge those bucks from a long ways off and see if it's worth walking over there to, to go put a stock on them. Um, it's, it's just great at field judging and, and picking distant landscapes apart. So impressed. I also I like their binoculars. Their Zulu uh, 11 by 45s are just a great pair of binoculars. I've also been using their range-finding binoculars, and, and I really believe... Sig Sauer has the best rangefinders in the market. And so uh, I also use their Kilo 1000. Um, I love it. It does angle compensation, uh, first target, last target priority. So it'll shoot through grass, uh, consistent readings, whether it's light or dark targets. Uh, they're just absolute top of the line. Along with that, they also have rifle scopes. They also have the BDX system, which connects the rangefinder to your rifle scope to an app on your phone that'll help you figure hold and drop, uh, any anything you need to figure to make an accurate shot. So uh, they're, they're really building quality stuff. I'm so impressed by Sig Sauer Optics. So if you're in the market for, for some new, new optics, make sure to give them a chance and take a look through them. And uh, with that, over there at Eastman's, we just launched that new Tag Hub, which pretty much puts, you know, everything from the MRS in one place on the internet and more. Uh, there's so much data in there. It's always evolving. Uh, such a resource for applying for tags out west. Um, so make sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, if you guys got some time on your hands, make sure to check out the Beyond the Grid or the Eastman's Hunting TV. I know I DVR it on my, my TV. I'm still an old guy. I still have TV. Um, I'm not all internet. I haven't cut all the cords yet. I just like watching some sporting events and um, gosh, I, like, I like to watch fights and then, and then some stuff on the outdoor channel. And so I'm just caught in between where I like the, the internet TV and I'd love to cut the cord, but uh, we do still have regular TV. So I DVR the uh, Eastman's hunting TV on the outdoor channel. Um, some great new episodes on there. Uh, last season's elk hunt in Montana from, from me and, and also uh, an antelope hunt. And then I have some high country mule deer the last handful of years in Wyoming and Nevada and uh, some some pretty cool some pretty cool hunts for me and really fun to capture. So check those out if you got any free time. With that, let's get into the podcast. We're already into the podcast. So yeah, man, oh man, um, COVID nineteen huh, taking over. It's it's just a wild time and um, it just changes by the day. And so we're in a a, a mandatory what is it shelter and home now that the the governor put out that they they want us to stay in home but it's you know it's tough like how far do you take it as I read through that you know I'm allowed to do housing construction and um 
you know, I think you just want to limit your contact to people and you don't want to overreact, but also don't want to underreact. It's hard though, you know, you start thinking of every situation. It's just really weird. Like I have to, I'm just, I just finished off this house and got a bunch of stress off my shoulders, really good young couple, good clients, and um, just finished out their house and handed it over to him. So that's a big relief for me. I've been working away on that. But as we're trying to finish this, we have all these, these lockdowns and gosh, I'm having to go to Bozeman and go to Home Depot and go to um, you know, Kenyon Noble up there and go to our local lumber yard, which is state open, which I think they're going to stay open through the lockdown. Um, it sounds like hardware suppliers, they're not shutting any of those down. And, you know, and if it was everywhere around me, I'd have no choice. You know, I want to keep my, my family safe and it's just tough. Like how far to take this quarantine? Do you take that to not seeing your family and friends? But you know, there again, like we've got to help Holly's mom out she took a spill yesterday with the dog. I had to go into the hospital. She, I hurt her wrist and kind of busted open her lip and things and had to get some stitches. But, you know, we've got to keep contact with her. It's like you can't just isolate people. They've got to have contact, you know, with my dad. And I work with him. And even on our construction sites, there's not many guys. But I'm taking chances. I went into Home Depot the other day and grab a few things, you know, for this job. And, and uh, the cashier in front of me had this huge sneeze in front of me and then she's wearing rubber gloves and then I had to borrow her pen and you just start thinking about it. It's so weird. But, you know, I think also like these things like 9-11 and like, um, you know, real trouble. Like, a, like I mean, it's a it, it's a pandemic and there may only be a, a 2% death rate in it, but it's a pandemic that's spread across the world. You know, it, it um, makes you more understanding of humans and people out there and you want to be nice. There's more waves, you know, at least in my community. So, you know, I'm hoping it's going to bring us closer together and prepare us more for these. And man, I got, I got faith in, in, in our nation and all the smart people and in the world, like we're going to get through this thing, you know, whether that's, you know, I know flatten the curve just lengthens the curve. So our infrastructure and our hospitals can, can keep up with things. But you know, I just heed the the warnings of our government and try to do what they say and take them serious and hope we, hopefully we nip this thing in the bud and by, you know, a couple weeks, couple months, whatever it is, whatever we have to ride out, we just ride it out and then uh, life gets back to normal or they, you know, they figure out a treatment for this stuff or, you know, they, they um, you know, figure out a, a shot and immunity to it, you know, they'll figure out something. It, it, like this isn't the the end of the world and I mean, gosh, I mean, with some of this stuff like the, you know, the Black Plague and the Spanish flu, and I mean, humans survived that with less technology. So um, we're just so connected in today's day and age and so much travel. And people are, you know, people don't want to be quarantined, you know, which I don't blame them. You know, I've got nature all around me in a town of maybe a thousand full-time residents, 1,500 full-time residents. So, I mean, if I'm down on the river, if I'm up in the mountains, I'm kind of away from people. So, you know, I, I wouldn't want that taken away from me either, which we're allowed to exercise underneath this this order and able to travel around. But like in Washington, they shut all the fishing, shut all the access sites down. It's like, man, oh man, they really want people to stay at home but yeah we just gotta we just gotta make it through this thing as a nation and man I mean who's better prepared than us as backcountry hunters um you know we've been preparing for this our whole life and my deal is just control what I can control and it changes by the day as far as me and Holly and our family and 
you know, what we want to do for the quarantine, you know, should I not see any of my family or friends or like I was talking about, there's some people that I just have contact with and my sister and, um, you know, there's just some level of risk there, but you know, I'll change that as the time comes, as we start seeing more and more of this, um, in Montana and in Ennis, Montana, we've had a couple positives here in, in my town. Um, but the problem is all these people traveling, you know, I go to the, the Home Depot or the Kenyon and I feel like it's my one trip for the month to get everything I need there. And, uh, I just see people that are bored walking around there, you know, and, and also, you know, our grocery store, you know, we're in this Montana, but then you see people from Bozeman there and the people from Bozeman are coming down to Ennis because they know they, they have COVID-19, you know, in, in, in Bozeman, which you can't just lock the community down or whatever, but it's like, man, we, uh, they say lockdown, that doesn't mean drive, you know, an hour and a half down here to the grocery store and then an hour and a half back home. But, you know, whatever, I mean, what we're all one as a nation. We just got to support each other and we can, we're not locking down the town of Ennis. People can still get in here. We just have to heed the warnings and not spread this stuff around. I mean, you know, yeah, it affects the sick and the old, but, you know, there's cases of it affecting Olympic athletes and affecting marathon runners and, you know how sicknesses are when they run through the house like you know I haven't been sick in three years but I can have that one that can just get me that comes through the house and I'm the only person that gets it or everybody in the family gets it but but one person gets it worse it affects their body worse and that's that's what this stuff could be man and um taught there's an Olympic swimmer that got it he was really good shape I don't like 31 or 33 or something he said you just couldn't imagine how bad it took his fitness level down but you know, if you get it, I mean, it's just day by day. It's just life as a human being as we face challenges. And, you know, if I get sick, I'm just going to have to ride it out. I'm going to do everything I can to not get it, not give my family it. And uh, we're going to address that by the day and still try to continue with normal lives. I mean, the other thing is the financial deal. I mean, thank goodness you know, I'm not a rich man by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't have much debt. And, you know, I've, I've got a nest egg, so I'm, I mean, I'm fine. I can, I can ride out whatever. It's definitely going to take a strain on me financially. And, you know, we've had to cancel, I feel so bad. Like the girls have had to cancel their volleyball and golf and softball and track and school's now out till the 10th. And so he was just trying to spend quality time with them as I can too. I keep working away, but I can bring them with me. We can get outside for a hike. We can get out fishing you know, there's things that we can do and, and continue to be a strong family unit, but I feel bad. They've had everything canceled and, you know, and then my wife, we had a vacation plan for me and her and I go on so many vacations, you know, it's only right that I, that I take her on a really nice one. We go have a good time. And I know she was really looking forward to it. She went through some tough times, like over the last few months, like a, like a surgery that, she had to go back in for like had some complications and things went wrong and pretty scary as a family unit. And, um, thank God we were able to get it all taken care of, you know, before this, this thing came out. I mean, she had to get an IV daily for a while and had an infection. And so we got through it. Everybody's all healthy. Everybody's good. But I know she was really looking forward to this trip. And so we had to cancel that and, um, you know, just tough to get your money back from flights and things. Um, I was able to get some credit Sounds like everybody else was able to get money back. Um, had to cancel that odd ad hunt. I was really looking forward to that. Um, buddy of mine, JP, invited me down there. You know, there's no corona around there. But, you know, in these these times where everything's changing by the day and the lockdowns, um, 
I just got to ride it out with my family. I can't be away from them or I can't put them at at a higher risk traveling through Salt Lake City and Denver through those flights. It's just not smart. So cancel that. You know, I'll be able to rebook it. We'll go hang out. We will do that hunt eventually, you know. And so it just isn't that big a deal. It's just got to just got to ride it out and control what I can control and keep my mind right. It's tough like because it's there's um and I know I don't want this whole podcast to be about it, but this is our life right now. You know, we're all dealing with it. It's all on the forefront of our minds. So we might as well just get it out of the way, talk about it, and uh, then we can get into the stuff we really love, which is hunting, which, you know, part of this is keeping our mind right. And um, I'm just not a doomsdayer. I just have so much faith that we're going to figure this thing out. We're going to work it out. Hunting season's going to come this year. We're going to be back to normal life, you know, if it's financial challenges like we all have our own personal set of challenges we have to make it through and life is one challenge after the next and we couldn't be better suited for this being backcountry hunters this is what we what we train for and work for is mental toughness you know is um patience is um fortitude like like those are all the the skill sets that we've been earning over the years so you know we just need to be the strong members of our family and leaders here and set an example for our kids not panic just get through this thing get back to normal life i mean the economy yeah it's it you know it's bad or it's tanking you know they're trying to do what they can so we don't go into another recession but you know whatever it is we'll just we'll just make it through it i i've made it through everything so far in life you know i don't think this thing's gonna stop me but yeah financially you know i'll lose some money from this for sure take a hit to my accounts but all i can do is just go out and try to make more and do what i can do be productive you know gosh i mean i can you know, I got extra stuff I can roll on eBay. You know, I've got podcasts I can still get out, could get good information to you guys. And we're talking about starting this fly fishing podcast. I got a few episodes of that. I've just um, have been fishing a bunch lately. It was really good yesterday. I've got a couple really nice trout on streamers. But, you know, just keep working on what I can work on, that construction as I can. And, um, you know, just make it through this. If You know, my accounts go down a little bit. But um, I just got to get out and make some more and just go hustle, see what I can do. But, yeah, got to keep our, our minds busy in a time like this and, and just do what we can do, control what we can control. I think that's like the scary thing is we don't, you know, the, the future is unforeseen. Like we don't, you know, we'd never, it's unprecedented to be here. So, you know, we're not sure if this stuff is going to last for two weeks, two months or two years. You know, it could keep cycling back through and change life as we know it, like life after COVID-19, you know, who knows? Uh, I really doubt that. Like I say, I think we're smart people. We're going to figure it out. But that's that's kind of the unforeseen. It's like a mind trip that just gets you thinking about it and worried about it. And then pretty soon you're just not enjoying everyday life. Like control the things I can control. You know, try to do the best job I can with this deal. Make smart decisions. You know, I feel bad posting any pictures or anything because um, I know people are cooped up, and I'm sure I'm fortunate to be in a good spot. But I just appreciate and every day. I'm getting out and doing my runs. I'm keeping my mind healthy, my body healthy, my immune system up, and um, just ride it through this thing. Um, focus on what I can focus on and. For me, mental and physical health. And then, you know, I just I just can't help but 
but just know, like in my heart and soul, like we're going to get back to hunting season. This fall is going to come again. And I think a guy's got some good chances to draw some tags, you know. Um, not that it's good that the that the nation's hurting financially, but that means less guys can apply, you know, un, unsure future. And, you know, it's, it's some money that I can risk to see if I can come up with a good tag and some good hunts for this fall. And, you know, if those get canceled when they come up, so be it. I'll just deal with that when it comes. It's like life is just one big hurdle and challenge after the next. And if it's not this, it's something else. And if it isn't this, it's something in your personal life. Like you just got to be good at handling these things and control what you can control and let the let the rest work its way out. You know, prepared here at the house. And, you know, not that I, I think we're, you know, they're going to shut grocery stores down. Thank goodness. Like, you know. I mean, I'm out a little bit. My exposure is a little bit. My wife's still been working. She's finally shut down. But, um, you know, all these people, grocery stores and people that are still able to work or taking that chance and everything in the health industry. Imagine being a doctor or nurse and, you know, not that that stuff is that, that bad and most people just ride it out. Most healthy people, you know, just see mild conditions, but, um, you're taking that chance for you and your family being out there trying to take care of other people. So that's just amazing. Like, thank goodness we have selfless people in the, the medical industry and firefighters, policemen, um, God, just just everybody that's chipping in to make this thing work. Heck, the, the people at the hardware store. I mean, I'm talking about going into Kenyon Noble and somebody sneezing or something, but, you know, there's people that are going to work there every single day in contact with probably tens of 50, uh, hundreds of people. And now, you know, I think a lot of these things will get shut down or less traffic. But I mean, the, the other day, you know, at our lumberyard, there's a guy that drove out from Seattle because he was in a lockdown and he was at our lumberyard. It's like, man, you, you're the, yeah. Um, we just can't, you know, we just all got to be cognizant right now and just get through this. And, you know, part of it's like the older people in our life too. You just don't want them to get or high risk or whatever the case is, but man, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. So hunting season is going to come. Should be some good opportunities. Man, I'm going to be ready. And top physical shape. I got that new VXR. Man, that thing is just a shooter. I had it. I've been practicing trying to get it all set up for odd ad hunting. And it's all ready to go. I I didn't think I'd find a bow that shot better than that Verdix. But man, this one does. Um, You know, they just make small improvements. I think it's a little bit quieter. I like the longer axle to axle. The thing just really aims. I got um, a couple of these these um, new stabilizers from from Cutter. I've been using. They're like a oh, they they make different lengths, and um, I, I I'm just into stabilizers. If you guys haven't messed with stabilizers stabilizers on your bow. Like, man, oh, man, does it make a difference. And they can be spendy, but you can get kits. And, um, you know, basically, I like to shoot a sidebar and a front bar. And when I first started shooting a bow, I would just buy one for sound dampening or maybe it was an 8-inch, but you couldn't change the weights. But a lot of these bars now, they make brackets at Bee Stinger and different places. But a lot of these th- these ones nowadays, like, you can change the weights like by one ounce off the front and off the back. So I run a, a a straight bar out the front and then I run the bracket and I run a, a bar out the back. And now, you know, I've always ran a touch longer than guys. I started running a, a 12 inch out front and an eight inch out back. 
is a real good hunting setup. It's small. You can crawl with it. You can move with it. But as I started using stabilizers and really practicing on my hold, my feel, and my groups, um, I started messing with longer ones. You see all those tournament guys, all those 3D archers, they all have longer stabilizers. So it's like, well, I want to see what my bow feels like with those or even messing in those... Um, you know, messing in the, those venues, like I, you know, I started to mess with some longer stabilizers and different weights and things. And, um, so then I went to a 12 and a 10, a 12 out front, 10 inch in the back. It's like, man, that thing holds a little bit better. And I mess with my weights and a heavy bow just always aims so good, but it's a tough balance too. We're trying to build a backcountry setup and we're counting ounces for God's sake. I'm cutting off handles of my toothbrush, but yet I'm throwing ounces are like I've got a pound on my bow of just weights for for hold but man that's my money maker that's what you know that any successful hunt comes down to making a shot and a lot of times it's a 40 yard chip shot and and you make the shot and the hunt's over with but man sometimes it's a 55 yard downhill steep angle gotta put it right in there and I just have confidence in that setup it's my money maker it's my hunt will come down to making a shot so I carry a pound of weights like right now on my setup. I've got six ounces out front. I've got 10 ounces in the back, an extra pound of weight, uh, maybe a pound and a half by the time you figure in the bars and the bracket and everything. Not quite, but pretty close. So a pound and a half of weight that gives me a better chance at filling my high country mule deer tag or my elk tag. I'll take that. And I just mess around with different weights and the feel of that thing. And I actually went last year to shooting a 15 inch front and a 12 inch back. And, uh, Man, oh man, the hold, I just can't deny the hold and shootability. Like, I can't shoot any longer stabilizers. It's getting to be a bit ridiculous. 15-inch out front, 12-inch out back. It doesn't stick out a total of 12 inches in the back. And I have noticed, like, belly crawling and things like that bar can stick up a little bit. I've got to slide my bow flat. But again, it just comes down to making that shot. And we're all individuals. There is no right or wrong answer. Like, this is just what's right for me, you know, and improving my shooting to become the best shooter I can and the most consistent shooter I can and being able to rely upon, you know, making these shots under the crunch and tough shots under the crunch to fill a, a, a hunt that I've been on for 10 days trying to earn an opportunity at a trophy buck. And so for me, it's just worth it. And, and we all have to make that choice. But yeah, I'm shooting that 15 out front, that 12 out back. And then, you know, I messed around with weights. I tried to go with a lightweight setup, and it it aimed and shot good out of that VXR, but I just can't deny it. I stick on those stabies, and um, I get that weight moved around. And uh, that thing is just shooting some groups for me, shooting distance for me. The close stuff's, you know, a, a gimme, even though I practice it day in, day out. And so, yeah, I'm just running a lot of arrows through these bu- this bow. Um, that bow and my, my backup is now that verdict. So I shoot that as my backup. That thing is just still shooting. Um, as good as the day I, I set it up. That's just a great shooting bow, man. That harvested a lot of good animals, made a lot of good shots for me this year. So yeah, I'm just pumped. I'm, I'm working with my bow. I'm getting a lot of arrows in, um, getting arrows in every day and, uh, just trying to up it and really get my hold strength. It just seems like when you're strong and shooting a bunch of arrows, you know, you just hold really good, you execute really good, and I can also tell that I that I have endurance, like I don't fatigue after a bunch of shots, and man, on these high country hunts, man, you get worn down day in, day out, climbing the mountains and awkward angles, and you just want to be strong. When you draw back, 
you want to be able to to aim that pin right where you want it and execute. So yeah, just working on my strength a lot. Um, you know, for me, it's just a total body fitness and a, a healthy mind for me is to work hard. And so, you know, along along with that, with my shooting, you know, doing that that weight training, and I just like body exercise, just push ups, dips, pull ups, pull ups different way, a little bit of kettlebells. Um, you know, my trail running, of course, but if I just did one thing, yeah, I'd just be one faceted, like overall fitness is just really using your body in different ways. Flexibility. I stretch two times a day. I'm stretching, just constantly stretching and trying to keep limber and, uh, trying to heal up all the abuse I put my body through running these miles through the week. And, uh, running's been good. The snow's finally, um, dissipating and out of the valley floor and, starting to out of the mountains, so starting to get some good elevation runs in, and um, I got some skis there for a while, I was skiing or getting some cross-country skiing in for for fitness, there was just so much snow in the valley, but kind of back to running, muddy trails, snowy trails, it's kind of a pain, but just got to go out with a good attitude, get some miles in, know it's not going to be super fast, but just try not to bust my butt, you know, try not to take any bad spills on the ice or anything like that, but um yeah, it's, I, I like this total body conditioning, and I've always thought, too, like a, like a good upper body can just aim and hold a bow and execute a bow better than a, you know, than a smaller upper body or a less fit upper body, so I, I'm just into it. I'm just constantly working on getting stronger, and, you know, those weights will mess with your shooting a little bit, and you don't shoot as good, but but that's that's part of the the challenge of it. That Like, that's good for me, you know? It's good to wear down my muscles and have to shoot when I'm aiming less than than perfect you know because that's the way it's going to be on an animal when i draw back on an animal that adrenaline's buzzing that you know you you know very rarely are you just rock steady on your target you got to give it a second couple breaths and that that aiming will settle down and slow down and put it where you want it you know but it, it's good like even to run back and forth from the target elevated heart rate push-ups and then shoot your bow as your arms are weak and can can barely hold you know all that stuff just prepares you for that that crunch time when you do get to bend the limbs back and go for it. And it's going to be fun. We got bear season coming up. I love bear season. Able to take that nice blonde last year. I'm I'm really going to hold out for a big blur this year and um yeah, just quality days and spots I know and some other spots I want to explore and some high country and We'll see if I get to travel a little bit and go to Idaho and go hunt bears there, but should be some good color phase. Sure had some great hunt last year. I just love stocking up on those things um, with my bow. And and springtime is such a good time of year to get out. Um, those, those bears, I mean, I've said it before, they're they're 99% boredom and 1% thrilling excitement. Like, um, you know, they're tough to figure out and dial in, but once you you dial in a couple of these drainages that hold bears and you start to find the vantage points and the way to travel to and from the travel corridors and start seeing some sign like you know all the stuff it's just experience and you got to go out a, a few days and get your butt kicks maybe not see a bear but then you'll have a day where you see five or you see three and you get a stock on a nice boar and uh, that payoff is just what keeps me coming back there's less guys in the mountains and and it's it's um entry level to dangerous game i always you know since being a kid like with a bow and arrow you just dream about hunting grizzlies or brown bears or uh, dangerous game in africa well black bear is the entry level to dangerous game and so um 
you get to practice that on the stock. There's just a little bit more adrenaline running through your veins. And you got to be careful with these bears. I mean, you know, black bears aren't known as, as um, being super aggressive or a lot of attacks. I mean, even though there are a lot of attacks, I shouldn't even say that. You got to be careful around a mom and a cubs. And um, what I do on these bears is, is I glass from afar and I glass them up. And then I usually just keep a safe distance from them. You know, especially if it's a sow and a cub, I don't want to get inside 100 yards. And sometimes I'll just be traveling to a spot and I'll bump into him inside 100 yards. And if that's the case, I just try to sneak out of there with a good wind, not let them know I'm there. If you're in tight, you make that sow, it's fight or flight for her. She's either going to protect her cubs or she's going to run with her cubs or, you know, leave her cubs. But when you're inside that close proximity, you make that bear choose whether it wants to fight you or flight you, you know? And so those are the situations I try to avoid. I just try to give them a wide berth, stay out of their way, try not to get inside a hundred yards unless it's go time, unless I'm trying to shoot that thing. And when I'm trying to shoot that thing, I'm all in. And nowadays I carry that pistol with me all the time. I used to just go bear spray or just my bow or not even worry about it. But I have been charged by a couple of those bears I've hit. And when you hit a black bear, it's a different deal. Like, um, it's not like hitting a deer or elk where they always run away. Like there's a, they, they roar and, and bite at that arrow and spin and they're pissed. And, and a lot of times when they, you know, a lot of times they're not looking to charge. Um, they're just trying to get away from you and you're in their way. Like you're in the direction they run to try to get away from that, that arrow that just hit them. And then you have to defend your position cause they're coming right at you. And that, that one bear Great big chocolate, like the last day of the season. Hit him back. He disappeared behind the tree down below me, and I knocked another arrow. And then he was jogging. He was going to come right up by me. He was making a death run, you know, and, and I huffed at him. And then he pinned his ears and came right at me. And I sent another arrow through him, you know, right in the – hit him behind his head, behind his neck, down through him because they sit so low to the ground. I always thought you'd shoot for the chest, but I actually shot for – like he had his head down charging, and it hit him like right behind the head, like down and in him right there. And then that one last year, of course, that I – horrible display of shooting with my pistol and I've been practicing since I mean I realize what I did now as I hit that bear I backed up I pulled my pistol and that bear started charging I just started squeezing rounds and I was watching the bear I just didn't line up my sights and so been practicing with my pistol and just getting that shooting process of drawing up line up the sights squeeze you know and that way I'm just squeezing rounds like right into that spot I want to squeeze it where you know it'll roll a pop can down the road or it'll hit a cardboard box every single time that's the way I need to shoot when my life depends on it not the other way like shooting nine times and hitting them twice and grazing them once it it was nine or eleven I can't remember exactly the details but it wasn't a great display of shooting you know just thank goodness I had an arrow through the lungs of that bear before he charged me but man, that's what can happen. So that's that's part of the unknown and part of the part of the thrill, you know, when you see a big boar and he's he's down, you know, you glass him up in a little pocket park in there and you think you know, he's a giant black bear body and you think, God, I think I can get to him and then, you know, inside a hundred yards and seeing that bear again, and then you're trying to stalk as he's got his head down. And bears you can get a lot more aggressive too. Like bears, um, you know, they're nearsighted and they're like any animal. Like I used to not wear camo and I love the Sika subalpine pattern. It blends in so good. And I believe in having earth tones and I believe in, um, good backdrop, but I'm telling you like beyond all else, what animals see is movement. 
they catch you moving. So if you're not moving when they're looking at you, you can get away with a lot. And that's all animals for that matter. And that's why like like uh, hunting elk and the hunting the herd is so tough because you've got 30 eyes from all the cows or hunting late season muleys during the rut when they've got a group of five or six does, you've got all those eyeballs. So if any of those heads are up looking in your direction and you move an inch, they catch you. So like spotting and stalking is all about movement. It's all about not letting them see that movement. And then, you know, you can hide your movement too by being in the shadows. You know, if it's if it's a bright sunny day and you got this bear you're moving in on and you're moving down a slide or down an opening, you know, you can be in the cover of those trees and in that shade and you can get a lot away with a heck of a lot more than you can like moving through that meadow. And like I say, these tactics, these apply for all spot and stalk, all animals. So, you know, you, you can just, um, you can use the cover. I'm also always using the landscape. I'm always trying to hide myself by a little ridge or a little bump or a little hill. And I'm trying to hide behind that and close in the distance. Um, use that landscape to move in. And then when all else fails, I'm just watching that bear and watching his head down feeding. And I'm moving while his head's down and I'm freezing while his head's up. And, and bears, I, I mean, it's a, it's a wild experience. These bears, you know, you, you see them spot and stalking, usually glass them from the vantage points. And then a lot of times, you know, it takes you so long to get to them or, you know, maybe the bears decided to put away or, you know, there's, there's all these things that can happen. Um, so, you know, you, you may finally find a trophy boar and you try to get on him and he isn't there, you know, when he gets there. So you have these failed attempts. So you start to get pretty aggressive with your stalking and trying to make something happen and just going over there and seeing if you can get into range, seeing if he's still there when you get there or like you get over to where that bear was and, and then you find another closer vantage point where you can kind of sit and wait for that bear to come back out. And I play that, I play those games a bunch, but you know, you're just trying to create an opportunity and with a bow, I need so many more opportunities than with a rifle which I, you know, I believe when you start hunting bears, start hunting them with a rifle because you may only see a few a season. And if you see a good one, you close the deal. But the the next level of hunting them is that the getting in close and with that bow, it's such a thrill that, that I can't get off it. I want to kill one with my bow more so than I want to kill a big one. But like I say, we're all individuals and we're all on our own journey. And we're just trying to be out in nature and enjoying ourselves. Like, I don't care which way you go about doing it. And all of it's really fun. Like I just like the thrill of getting close, but to be a bow hunter, you need more opportunities because you have to get inside a 40 yards. So you're going to screw it up a bunch. The bears are going to move off a bunch, but these, these stocks start getting really aggressive where you're trying to make things happen and put yourself in a place to be successful. And the same for all these hunts, elk, mule deer, whatever. Like, I mean, it gets towards that end of that hunt and you want to try to make something happen. You got to give yourself a chance. You got to, you know, not be so aggressive that you blow things out and blow your opportunity. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you go in on bears on a bad win. You know, they can smell 10 times or 7 times what a bloodhound can. So, you know, you're not going to fool their nose. So the conditions have to be right. But I like to get over there and give myself a chance. Like, get another vantage point that's close to that to where if he does come out, I think I can get to him. Or maybe the wind isn't right, but I can set up, you know, a few hundred yards from where he is in a good wind 
And then as the evening thermals set in and those mountains start to shade, it starts to pull those thermals downhill and I have a consistent wind and I can move in and kill him when he comes out. Like I'm constantly thinking in this way on these hunts, you know, whether it's mule deer or elk or bear or whatever it is, I'm just trying to give myself a chance without blowing it, without blowing up the opportunity, you know, and so I, I just start playing things aggressive and sometimes it means I've got four hours of extra walking and I'm going to be home at midnight and I got to wake up for work the next day. It's like I'm willing to gamble that. I'm willing to just gamble that just to give myself a chance, give myself a chance to kill one with a bow because a, a black bear in Montana, spot and stock or in anywhere, like it may look easy as you see guys with bears and, and not that. I'm against bait or, you know, I think bait's an effective way to kill them and uh, you see more and you get close, good opportunities. They just don't allow it in Montana. And then, you know, I've fallen in love with what's tough <laughs> for some reason. So there's nothing wrong with it. And you have that opportunity in, in Alaska or Idaho, you know, be a fun opportunity to have. But um, I sure like spotting and stalking those things. It, it, it's pretty difficult. Like it's really difficult. It, it may be the toughest, most unknown challenge in, in my home state of Montana anyways. You look at success rates on deer and elk and things, and look look at how many guys have killed a bear with their bow and arrow spot and stock. You know, there's just not a whole bunch of them. And then to kill a big bear with spot and stock, like it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of work and a lot of just being out there trying to make it happen day after day after day. So when, you, when it does come together and I accomplish my goal and I arrow a mature bear, I'm on top of the world. And I could really care less what anybody else thinks. Like, it's in my mo- my own mind. I'm really proud of myself. Like, it is a really tough feat to get it to all come together on a mature boar, get an arrow in them. And at times, it seems mission impossible. So when I pull it off, man, it makes my whole spring and summer. Like, it, uh, it, it's, it's a really fun way to hunt them, a fun way to spend time. And then the accomplishment when you pull together dangerous game with your bow and arrow, giant black bears, spot and stock, spend days up on the mountain, you know, glassing these little openings. And you spend a lot of days like not seeing them in good spots too. Like I've got good bear spots where I've seen a lot of bears over the years that you go and you grab the right vantage point at the right time, which I always love afternoon evenings. It kind of depends on the weather. Early season, um, you know, early season like I want it warmer and and sunny you know later in the year if it's raining or overcast the bears will come out earlier and you can really hunt bears all day long um I usually tend to hunt them I'd say afternoons and evenings and and evenings are really your best bet hunting bears but you can see them any part of the day it's just one of those things that if you got free time you go out and some days I'll do a mid-morning shift and some days I'll do an afternoon shift and, and you're just trying to key into where these bears are at and the times of day that they're coming out. But you keep your eyes on little openings. They do come out in those. And and it's different. You know, I've always given the advice like, oh, look in the, the north sides. Look in the pocket parks. And the, the, that is true. Like um, in my home valley, like um, I could find them on any hillside. But the majority of time. I find them on north slopes, pocket parks, deep neon green. I look for the best feed. Usually they're within a thousand feet of the snow line, fifteen hundred feet of the snow line, and they'll follow that snow melt up. As that snow melts off, it it just rivers of water that pour down over that in that grass with that new sunshine just seems to sprout up. So it's just neon green, and and bears. 
they're more elevation key than probably anything I've ever hunted. When I start finding bears at 6,500 feet, I look for other spots at 6,500 feet and I find bears there. Like they're really elevation specific. Um, but I've given that advice at looking on North slopes and, um, it's true. Like I find a ton of them on North slopes, but it all depends on, on, you know, your region that you're hunting. Um, as I start hunting more around Montana and more around Idaho and, um, different places, Alaska, you know, I notice that when I go to the Western side of Montana, there's more timber, there's more cover on the North sides. It's nothing but timber and rock. There's no real feed or pocket parks there. Like out there, it's you look on the south side facers because they're the ones that are a little bit more open, get the sunshine, grow the grass, and there's still like sparse cover. But you know, here in my home valley, you know, I live in fairly open terrain, a southwest Montana, and so it's fairly open. And so the south sides are just too open and too big and burned off and not enough cover. The majority. Now you can find them on any slope. You just got to key into where they're at. But you know, where I'm at, I'd look more on the north slopes and find them more there. So it's it's almost as I evolve my my bear hunting to different places and different regions, I have to adapt it to those specific places and where I see bears. So, you know, it isn't all about the north slopes. Man, they could be on any slope, but you know, it is about that elevation. I think that elevation is key. And earlier in the season, you um you you uh, earlier in the season you see them come out. And, um, gosh, I totally lost my train of thought. I, I was going to talk about, um, early season to late season, um, where they prefer. Oh, well, so like the early season, um, when it's just early first thing in the spring, I find them lower. Right. And then as it gets later, I follow the snow melt up. But even in my home Valley, like I may start at about 5,000 feet, but I end my bear season at maybe 75, 8,000. And I don't find them over 8,000 feet, but take it, you know, in fall and August, after all that snow melts in that high country, those bears will be up higher up around those elevations. But for me, you know, I'm usually 5,000 to 7,500 or 5,000 to 8,000, depending on where the snow melt is. And then, it's weird where you look for these things like early in the season when it's the first thing in the spring, bears can be tough to find. And the deal is, is they're just not keyed into the green grass and the feeding features yet. I usually find them around their denning spots. So real rocky, rough, cliffy terrain. I've seen bears in terrain that doesn't look like goats can walk. They can dang near climb vertical slopes, but they like to den, you know, in, in just rocky, craggy, cavey country you know just rough rock slides maybe a few patches of grass down lower here or there but i find that these bears for the first couple weeks of coming outside their dens they'll just walk outside their dens and they'll just wander around for the day or for a couple hours go back inside their den so they're just like eating around their dens little shoots of grass they can find in the rocks and and then they they don't leave the security of their dens until the weather really changes and until they can be outside all the time and so I usually give this period about two weeks, and it's usually about from April 15th to April 30th or may even go to the first week of May where you're really finding him in these denning spots. And where you see a bear, hunt that spot because he will come out there again. 
And then after that early season and coming out their dens, the weather starts to warm up. The grass starts to really green up in places. And these bears, they start to move off and move towards the feed. And that's when I find them more in the pocket parks and uh, green seeps and any place like super green, neon, meadow grass. Like they're, they're, they're really focused that time of year at getting grasses and wild onions and things of that nature. And, and so, you know, this period usually holds through like about the month of May or so where they're just hitting these pocket parks, they're following that snow melt up, and then you start to get into the rut. And the rut, these boars will start to travel country a little bit more. And also, it seems like in my area, later in the season, like the last couple of weeks in June, it can be really good hunting and you'll still see bears in parks, but the timber seems to green up too and gets gets a bunch of grass in it. And so these bears, a lot of times... I don't see them as much later in the season there because they can just feed in sparse timber, but I just start traveling country, and a lot of times they're just in, like, little features. Like, I love to find master vantage point that shows off just a ton of bear country, but I'll also hike into a little secluded canyon that that may only have three openings, but they're really good three openings. Like, you know, I might find a bear in there. And, And bears really like to be secluded they, they like to be able to escape danger really quick and get into the timber just a secluded little meadow they can come out in the middle of the day and feed or in the evening and feed and so that's kind of what i look for it's gonna be fun yeah just fortunate i live in this this good mountain range with really good bear hunting around me so if you guys have a chance to make the trip out to montana or idaho where you have these opportunities around you uh, it's worth the tag and it's worth the experience and it's worth it to fit in a springtime hunt too just an overall bow hunting skill like um i know these hunts they force me to be ready and just like this audad hunt even though i had to cancel it and i gotta try to get my i gotta call and cancel the flights here but um even though I got to do that, like it's forced me to prepare for this hunt, to be in great physical shape, to come into this thing. I like, I have a chance at an odd ad sheep. Like I want to be in great shape. Uh, I want to be dialed in. Uh, I want my bow shooting good. And so, you know, it's kind of like, um, being a runner and signing up for a race. It forces you to train for that race. So same thing with bears. It's going to force you to get ready for bear season, make sure your shooting's on par. If you get any chances. So all of a sudden you're putting all this prep into getting ready for this this bear season the same way you would the prep for getting ready for the fall and ready for deer and elk and so you know you sharpen all these skills you get ready and then you're out there practicing those skills of glassing and moving through country and um, uh, executing stocks and trying to keep it together you know keep your excitement level keep a, a calm in the moment and so all these things all these things transfer to fall and so you get to add like I mean you know, I get to hunt after work and things. I get to go a bunch of different days. Our season goes from April 15th to June 15th. So what about 60 days in there? And so, I mean, I can stack 20, 30 days. I mean, heck, there's been seasons where I get 50 days in, you know, and maybe slow at work or like I say, I get afternoons and, you know, I, I, I uh, do what I can for making softball games and, and, but I, the truth is, is I get a lot of days bear hunt, but these days they all go into my skill set. I mean, it's the reason why I'm successful on two built bulls this last season, Idaho and Montana. It's because I, I got this good bow hunting skill set and I get that through experience and time of field, but it's tough to take off so much time during the fall. But in the springtime, you know, you just make some extra time or do a week trip or, you know, go out for some long weekends 
or whatever the case, but just know that these extra days that you're putting in are going into your overall hunting skill. And therefore making you a better bow hunter, therefore giving you better odds of success at at arrowing a monster muley buck this season or arrowing a, a, a monster bull. And just this problem solving, this going into bear country and trying to figure out where bears are, it's such a necessary skill. Like I, I travel all over the country. I'm, I'm constantly finding myself in new places and having to solve the puzzle and figure it out. New places, new species, and you show up. And I mean, if I'm being honest, like sometimes I'm totally lost. Like show up to try to hunt axis deer in Hawaii. I don't even know what an axis deer does. I don't even know where an axis deer feeds. I don't even know what the train looks like. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to get used to to each one of these different species and different habitats and and solve the puzzle, whether that's high country muleys, desert muleys, uh, red rock muleys, uh, uh, sagebrush muleys, whatever it is, you got to dial into that habitat and that species and fu- find their preferences and what they like. And so you know, by doing this spring bear season, you're just solving these equations and these problems. And even if you don't arrow one or like when I first started out, it was like a three year quest to try to arrow a bear with my bow. And it's just like a goal I set upon myself. But, you know, the through through putting in these days, it just started to improve my hunting skill that started to transpose into hunting different species in the fall. And part of the reason I'm a good bow hunter is because I'm always bow hunting. You know, I, I don't I. I'm always in a bow hunter's mindset, and uh, I just really think for anything that you love to do, experience is just the best teacher. Like, you know, you definitely shorten the learning curve by by podcasts and by reading and by information. It plants the seeds of these different theories inside your head, but then you got to go put them into practice in the field. And if you're really paying attention and dialed in, and you kind of have the idea of what the right move is or how your personal, you know, your, your personal preferences for a hunt or, or um, how you go about it. Like, um, man, if, if you can, if you can dial that in and it, it just makes you so effective on all these adventure hunts, maybe I'm rambling now, but I just, God dang it. Like I, I think it's a, I think it's a, a really good point that, that just experiences the best teacher. So you kind of prepare yourself to learn and open up your mind to different theories and how different guys do things, which which then gives you an idea how you're going to be successful. And then you go out in the field and you try to put it into practice and you try to do what you've learned. And then you try to make the right decisions and be calm during the crunch. There's just, there's just nothing better in life. Like anything that's, that's hard earned or takes a lot of work or that's really tough and really challenging it just means more when you accomplish it and when you do it. And um, that's the key to life, man. I mean, that transfers into everything, but it really truly makes me happy to set these challenges and, and these goals. And, you know, it, it isn't me versus nature, but me getting along with nature and surviving out in it um, for days on end and then really challenging my physical fitness and really challenging my mind and what I'm capable of, my belief system, how committed I am. It challenges everything, and then that that problem solving and figuring it out. But gosh, I I just um that is what drives me. That's what absolutely drives me is to get to a new place with a new species, or you know maybe the same species but a new place, and just dive into it. Maybe start failing at first, but day after day after day, I start to unlocking more of the puzzle pieces and figuring out more and where the animals like, and all of a sudden I get a stock. And then all of a sudden I get another stock and then all of a sudden it comes together and I, I get in close and put in a perfect arrow on that animal. Man, it just doesn't get any better than that. So 
oh, season's going to come. I know it, guys. Well, and, and, he, and even if it doesn't, it takes over, we're going to be forced to hunt anyway, so we might as well sharpen our skills and get ready. It's a joke. I know we're in serious times or whatever, but what else do you do? I make jokes when I'm in serious times on hunts too. So, uh, you know, I, I really do have faith. We're going to get things back to normal. And uh, I know I'm working hard to be ready for it. I'm going to get my family through this tough time and see my way through it. Um, you know, make sure I work hard and put some money in my pocket. And then, um, heck, I'm going to apply for some tags and hopefully I'm hunting all over the, the country. And if anything, it emphasizes to me that life is short. Better do what you love to do. Better get in those adventures when I can. And I've got to work. I've got to pay bills. I've got to support my family and be a productive member of society. But I also have to haunt, take care of myself, take care of my mental health, uh, challenge myself physically and mentally. Like that's healthy for a person. That's going to make us live a, a long life. So for me, I mean, that's what it's all about. I'm going to be a, applying for tags and going for it. By the way, I want to I want to mention another one of our our sponsors on the show, Evolution Outdoors. They're a new sponsor this year. Um, Dale Perry is the owner of it. I really like Dale Perry. I did a podcast with him. He he was the original designer of the Gravedigger broadheads, which I used for years. And then he came out with this new Evolution Outdoors broadhead. So he offers one hundreds, one twenty fives, one fifties. Those are grain weights, and then he offers the um, Jekyll and the Hyde. Let me just pull them up here. Um, I always get confused on which one's which, but the the Jekyll is their fixed blade, and that fixed blade, man, that thing is an evil head, uh, evil in a good way, as it does a lot of damage, which is what we want. This is the best fixed blade head I've ever shot. I shot it in Idaho this year. I'd shoot it anywhere. Um, it's got a one-inch cut the one way. The blades are sharpened both front and back. It's got a three-quarter cut the other way that's a cut-on-contact that is sharpened both front and back. So you get one of those into an animal and it runs away. It just does damage. And um, these things are devastating. They really penetrate well. They were designed for penetration. They were designed for aerodynamics. It's the most aerodynamic fixed blade head I've ever shot. So uh, make sure to check them out. Jekyll, it's Evolution Outdoors. Really like that head. And then they also have their hide. I love this head too. So the hide is a three-quarter, it's a hybrid. So it's a three-quarter fixed one way, sharpened both front and back. And then the other way, it's got an expandable blade that opens up to an inch and five-eighths. So a two-blade expandable super aerodynamic uh i've shot expandables for all species for the last 10 years from uh, axis deer to elk to to antelope to everything in between um, but these things will just do the job they're just devastating i shot them in montana this year with great results um, just a, a super head for, for a mechanical or a hybrid head. I like them both. I just put in my order for the year and I ordered 12 of the Jekylls and 12 of the Hides. So I'll mix and match as I see fit to which species I'm hunting and what I want to shoot. But I'd, I'd shoot either one of these broadheads at any animal in North America. Uh, they're an awesome company. Make sure to check them out. Evolution Outdoors. Alrighty. Well, guys, just got to ride this thing out. Got to be there for our family, but uh, also get ready to enjoy what we love to do. It's going to come. We're going to get through this thing. So focus on what you can, and if, if you're in a bad spot or facing challenges, as a lot of us are, 
just try to try to see your way out of it in the end goal you know if it's financial you know you figure out some things you can sell you get through it you, you, you push off some payments as i think you know the government or some of these companies are going to forgive payments for a little bit you just find your way out just solve it and um, once you're able to get out there and make some money go try to make some money and hustle and put some away and some security away and um man i mean if it's family you know, just try to take care of them and, and do all you can do. Uh, we really need to help each other in, in this time. And, um, man, just get through it. Um, make sure to reach out to your family and friends. Tell them you love them. Tell them you appreciate them. Man, this whole life is all about family and friends. Like, even all this stuff I love to do. And I love to do a lot of these hunts solo, fishing solo. Like, there's nothing better than having family and friends that truly care about me that I can call and I can talk to and go, you know, man, yesterday fishing was so good. Like, I hadn't caught anything, and I tied on this streamer, and I swung it through a couple of these big runs that I know, you know, and hooked a couple fish and then tell that story to the to the people I love. Like, it's just the best, and friends, too like to call my buddy Dan and talk to him this morning and he's remodeling his kitchen and I'm going to run up next weekend and help him pour his countertops up there. So we'll hang out. I'll bring my fishing rod. He lives right on the Missouri. But I'll I'll go up to Dan's and help him do that. We'll get in some runs and fish the Missouri. But, you know, just even BSing with my buddy Dan today just about hunting season and and um, hunts and kind of what we think about COVID-19. Same, same stuff I'm talking to you guys about. But... Um, just talking about things and life and what we're going through, man, it's, it's everything. These relationships that we have with both family and friends, it, it is just absolutely everything to me. I uh, just want to make sure that I'm always taking care of those people in my life and, and always doing right by them too. Um, it's a big part of who I am is doing the making the right decision and doing the right thing whenever faced with it. But, man, that's what, that's what life's all about. So, man, keep safe out there, guys. Keep your head screwed on right. Um, be a good leader for your family. We'll get through this thing. We'll, we'll look back; it'll be no big deal. Just like, uh, just like all the challenges we've faced, we'll get through this one too. So, thanks as always, you guys, for all the support. I really appreciate it. I just want to continue to put out great content to you guys that that um, gives you guys meaning and gives you guys a little entertainment. So I'm going to keep working hard, just been recording some really good ones and got some really good guests lined up and always thinking about who that next potential uh, best guest could be. I just love having those quality conversations. Yeah, I got some great ones coming up. I, um, I've got one with um, Tony Treach that's just a great one. That one went a little long, uh, but just an awesome conversation. I uh, recorded one with Clint the other day, um, buddy Clint. He's he's been on before. Um, he had a heck of a, a a year. He's been trying to harvest a mature mule deer for four seasons or four different trips, and this year he did it. Spoiler alert! But he harvested a couple of really nice mule deer. So really happy for him and talk about his journey. And um, I've got some other ones too. I've got some other just great recordings. I've got a whole list of them. And uh, just going to continue to get them out to you guys and and um, keep this thing rolling on, get through this thing together. So uh, if you guys need anything from me, you can reach out on social media, um, on IG at the Eastman's Elevated page and also a personal page, Brian Barney. 
Um, again, you can find some of the Eastman stuff, Beyond the Grid, uh, internet TV show. Me and Dan are trying to put a, an episode of Beyond the Grid together for next season. I'm super excited. I hope it comes together with Dan. And uh, so we're talking about uh, potential hunts that we can do together. But some great Beyond the Grids out there. Dan's done a super job with it. Um, some great hunts. I have one on there that's uh, my Alaska and caribou hunt. And we're hoping that um, some of these hunts that are on the Outdoor Channel now that we can then release a copy to Beyond the Grid in the near future. So you guys without TV, you guys that aren't an old guy like me and has TV, that you guys can watch them too. So make sure to check out Beyond the Grid. If you're interested in our new service, Tag Hub, check that out. Uh, if you're interested in the magazine, Eastman's Hunting Journal, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, that's what started this whole thing. I've been writing for him for about 10 years or so, and uh, I'm still writing in there nearly every episode of the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal and uh, a lot of the Eastman's Hunting Journal as well. Uh, it's just an awesome magazine, um, great content, and then along with that, you get the uh, uh, the Eastman's MRS section, which is the members research section that um, really gives you a lot of information to um, learn these different states and and uh, go on some of these hunts. So let's see the the code. I just cleaned my office. Wouldn't you know? It's elevated 220. And um, text that to 22828. That'll get you a subscription to both magazines, get you an outdoor edge re replaceable blade knife. Uh, $49.99. So you guys can pick up that deal if you need some new reading material. And with that, let's wrap this thing up. It's about 2 o'clock here on a on a Saturday. So I better get out, shoot my bow, get my run in for the day. But yeah, just keep positive, guys. Keep positive for you and your family. And uh, we'll get through this together. Let me know if you need anything. And uh, check in with you next week.